Welcome to TanakhStudy.com. This is Shani Tarragon, and today I'm particularly excited about our learning together. Firstly, as we conclude the parasha on Erev Shabbat. Secondly, we're going to note the timeliness of this parasha in particular. And thirdly, we're going to be able to summarize all of our shiurim from the past two weeks, beginning with the introduction to Sefer Vayikra, which was in fact linked to the conclusion of Sefer Shemot. We're going to learn today the dedication of the Mishkan that required two consecutive ceremonies. The first one that is portrayed in our Perik, chapter 8 of Sefer Vayikra, the seven-day Miluim service, the final topic of Parashat Sav. Next week, Be'ezrat Hashem, we will continue with chapter 9, the special karbanot that are offered on Yom Hashemini, the eighth day, the conclusion of the seven days, which is the first topic of Parashat Shemini. As the details of these two ceremonies are very different, it only makes sense to assume that each one served a different purpose. We're going to attempt to uncover the purpose of each of these two ceremonies, beginning today with the ceremony of Shabbat Yemei HaMiluim. The Torah's description of these two ceremonies in Sefer Vayikra is an anomaly to the context of the Sefer, as this is the only section of the narrative in the entire Sefer. Everything else in Sefer Vayikra is going to contain laws. Therefore, in our shiur, we're going to explain not only the contents of the narrative, but also the context of the narrative. So with this, we're going to begin with a quick review of the first half of Sefer Vayikra in order to understand the precise point wherein the story of Shivati Mehamiluim, followed by Yom Hashmini, is told. Vayikra begins with the laws of the Karbanot that the individual can or must bring and continue with the laws for how the Kohanim should offer these Korbanot. At this point, at the end of Parashat Sav, this continuous presentation of mitzvot is interrupted by a set of stories in chapters 8 through 10. Chapter 8, we're going to learn now, describes the seven-day Miloim inauguration of the Kohanim and the Mizbeach. Chapter 9 describes the Mishkan's inaugural ceremony on Yom Hashmini, the eighth day, when the glory of Hashem returns, followed by chapter 10, the story of the tragic death of Nadav and Navihu on that day. Only in chapter 11, Sefer Vayikra returns once again to its presentation of various laws pertaining primarily to the Mishkan. And this presentation of laws will continue more or less till the end of the Sefer. What is even more puzzling is that when we learn the narrative of these chapters, we're going to recognize that this is what was already told to us in Sefer Shemot. Sefer Shemot concluded the story of the Mishkan's assembly and its dedication, and the commandments of Hashem to Moshe to dedicate or consecrate particularly the Kohanim and the vessels of the Mishkan. The end of Parshiot, Vayakel and Pekudei, recorded the fulfillment of every other commandment of Hashem to Moshe regarding the assembly of the Mishkan. So why weren't the seven days of Miluim mentioned there as well? And why does the Torah place the story in Sefer Vayikra in what appears to be an interruption to its presentation of the mitzvot? In order to answer these questions, we're first going to explain the difference between the details of the Mishkan found in Sefer Shemot in contrast to those in Vayikra. We'll begin with a simple distinction that explains why we find these laws concerning the Mishkan in two separate Sefarim. Sefer Shemot describes the details of its construction, while Sefer Vayikra explains how to use it. For example, on Sefer Shemot, beginning in Parashat Shuma, Perak Chafei, all through Perak Lamed Aleph, Parshio Truma and Tetzaveh, we saw a distinct unit describing the commandment to build the Mishkan, whereas chapters Lamed Hei through Mem, Parshiot Vayakel and Pekudei, detailed how it was actually built. 
In contrast, the first seven chapters of Sefer Vayikra explain the various karbanot that the individual can or must bring and how the Kohanim are to offer them. So on the most basic level, one can explain that the Shabbat Yemehamiluim necessary to consecrate the Kohanim will be mentioned particularly in the context as to how Kohanim offer karbanot. This is only a partial explanation, however, for why then is Moshe commanded about Shabbat Yemei HaMiluim in Sefer Shemot if he does not execute it until Sefer Bayukra? We're going to begin to elaborate upon this as we first review the primary elements of the ceremony of Shabbat Yemei HaMiluim as mentioned in our Parsha. We begin then together in Bayukra, Perikhet, Vayitaber Adonai HaMoshe Lemor, Kachet Aharon, Vepanavito, Vetabgadim, Vetshemen HaMishcha, Vetpar HaChatat, Vetshnei HaElim, Vetsal HaMatzot. Hashem told Moshe to take Aaron and his sons together with their garments, the anointing oil, the bull of the sin offering, the two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread. And he's going to perform the ceremony of the consecration of the Kohanim that we already heard about in Parshat Tzaveh. This will be done in front of the entire congregation at the entrance of Ohel Moed. Vayas Moshe kasher ha'idal moed, and Moshe did just as Hashem commanded him, and the congregation was assembled at the entrance of Oel Moed. Vayomar Moshe la'asot, and Moshe told the congregation, "This is what Hashem had commanded to be done." Vayakrib Moshe ta'aron be'panav, vayirchatzotam b'mayim. Moshe brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put upon him the tunic and girded him with the girdle and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod upon him and then girded him with the skillfully woven bands of the ephod and bound it onto him. And he placed the breastplate upon him, and in the breastplate he put the urim and the tumim. And he placed the metznefet, the special head covering, the hat of the kohen, which I like to call almost a baker's hat, al rosho, and he placed upon the metznefet, in front of it, the tzitzahav, the golden plate, known as the holy crown, as Hashem had commanded to Moshe. And Moshe took the anointing oil and anointed both the tabernacle and all that was within and sanctified them. And he sprinkled upon the altar seven times with the Shemen HaMishcha and all of its vessels and the wash basin and its base in order to sanctify them. And similarly, he poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. And Moshe brought Aaron's sons and clothed them with tunics, girded them with girdles, bound their headgear upon them, known as the Migbaot, as Hashem had commanded Moshe. 
ויגש את פר החטאת, ויסמוך אהרון ובניו את ידיהם על ראש פר החטאת. And the bull of the sin offering was brought, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the bull of the sin offering. וישחת, ויקח משה את הדם, וייתן על קרנות המזבח סביב בית באו, ויחטא את המזבח, ואת הדם יצק על יסוד המזבח, ויקדשהו לכפר עליו. And once the bull was slaughtered, Moshe took the blood, put it upon the horns of the altar, around with his finger, and purified the altar, and poured the remaining blood at the base of the altar, and sanctified it as kapara, to achieve atonement for it. ויקח את כל החלב אשר על הקרב, ואת יותרת הכבד, ואת שתי הכליות ואת חלביהן, ויקטר משה המזבחה. And he took the fat that was upon the innards, and the lobe of the liver, and the two kidneys, and their fat, and Moshe burned it as smoke upon the mizbech, with the terminology of vayakter, as we learned about last week. Ve'et ha'par, ve'et oro, ve'et besaro, ve'et pirsho, saraf ba'ish mechutz la'machane, kasher tiva Adonai et Moshe. But the bull and its skin and its flesh and its tongue were burnt with the fire outside of the camp, as Hashem had commanded Moshe, which is the general law of a chatat pnimit. Generally, when the blood is brought inside the Mishkan, the innards are sacrificed on the primary Mizbeach, and everything else is burned outside of the Machaneh. Notice how here the blood is going to be sprinkled on the main Mizbeach, the Mizbeach Ha'ula, and yet still is considered as if it's a Chatat Pnimit, as if the blood is brought inside, for everything else is burned on the outside. Vayakrev et el Ha'ula, v'yismechu Aaron u'vanabetidehem al-Rosha'ayil. And then the ram of the burnt offering was brought, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram. And when it was slaughtered, Moshe dashed the blood against the altar around the mizbeach. And when the ram was cut into pieces, Moshe took the head and the pieces and placed it upon the mizbeach into smoke. ותקר בית הקראיים רחץ במים, ויקטר משה את כל העיל המזבחה, עולהו לריח ניחוח אישהו לאדוני, כאשר ציווה אדוני את משה. And when the innards and the legs were washed with water, Moshe made the whole ram as smoke upon the altar. It was an עולה, a burnt offering, for a ריח ניחוח, a sweet savor. It was an offering made by fire unto Hashem, as Hashem had commanded Moshe. ויקריב את העיל השני, אל המילואים. וישמחו אהרון ובנה בתידיהם על ראש העיל. And the other ram was presented, known as the ram of Miluim, of consecration. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram. וישחות ויקח משה מדמו, וייתן על תנוך אוזן אהרון הימנית, ועל בוהן ידו הימנית, ועל בוהן רגלו הימנית. And when it was slaughtered, Moshe took the blood and placed it upon the tip of Aaron's right ear and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of his right foot. Notice how this is very similar to Moshe sprinkling the blood upon the corners of the Mizbeach, as if these various appendages of Aaron's own body are like the Mizbeach. And that's exactly the notion that we should be learning from the Torah, as if Aaron and his children are a literal extension of the Mizbeach of Hashem. And that is why, as we've been learning this week, they are allowed to consume some of the carbonate that are brought to the Mizbeach, because they are in fact almost living altars, as we see from this Pasuk, and how Moshe consecrated them in a very similar manner as he did to the Mizbeach. Vayakrevet b'nei Aharon, vayitin Moshe men hadam, altnuchu znam hayemanit, v'yabohen yadam hayemanit, v'yabohen raglam hayemanit, vayizruk Moshe tadam ala Mizbeach saviv. 
And then Aaron's sons were brought, and Moshe put the blood upon the tip of their right ear, and the thumb of their right hand, and upon the big toe of their right foot. And Moshe dashed the blood against the altar all around, thereby juxtaposing the blood of the Kohanim with the blood of the Mizbech in order for us to appreciate the parallel. And he took the fat and the fat tail and all the fat that was upon the innards and the lobe of the liver and the two kidneys and their fat and the right thigh. And out of the basket that was brought of unleavened bread, that was before Hashem, he took one unleavened cake, one cake of oil bread, one wafer, and placed them on the fat and upon the right thigh, keeping in mind that these are all matzot, as we discussed this week, in order to show that the Kohen is merely beginning a process, a process of development of Kedusha that begins here, but will continue till the end of his life. And he put everything upon the hands of Aharon and upon the hands of his sons and waved them as a wave offering before Hashem. And Moshe then took them from their hands and placed them as smoke upon the Mizbech, upon the burnt offering. And these were considered Miloim, a consecration offering for a Reach Nichoach, for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto Hashem. Keep in mind that this time, as we mentioned yesterday, Moshe places the shok that will generally belong to the Kohen by his right of being a Kohen genealogically. And Moshe, as he is not a Kohen, places the shok upon the Mizbech to be consumed, whereas Aaron and his children will be allowed to consume it. Vayikach Moshe tachazeh, and here the Torah explicates how Moshe took the breast, waved it for a wave offering before Hashem, and it was Moshe's portion of the ram of consecration, as we discussed yesterday, because whoever performs the work of bringing the korban deserves the mana, deserves the portion of the breast, just as Aaron and his children will thereafter, in this case, Moshe serving as the Kohen and supervising all the work of the Mizbeach, he receives this portion of the Ram of Consecration as Hashem had commanded Moshe. And Moshe took the oil of anointment and the blood which was upon the Mizbech and sprinkled it upon Aaron and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon his sons' garments with him and sanctified Aaron and his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. Vayomer Moshe l'Aaron belbanav, vashlu et habasar petachol moed, v'sham tochlu oto, v'talachem asher besal hamiluim, kasher tziveti lemor Aaron uvanav yochluhu. Please remember this pasuk for next week as well wherein Moshe says to Aaron and his sons, boil the meat at the entrance of the Omoed, and there you shall eat it together with the bread that's in the basket of consecration, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. And whatever remains of the flesh and of the bread, you shall burn by fire. 
ומפתח המועד לא תצאו שבעת ימים עד יום מלאות ימי מילואיכם, כי שבעת ימים ימלא את ידכם. And you shall not leave the oil mo'ed for seven days until these seven days of consecration are fulfilled, for he, Hashem, shall consecrate you for seven days. Kasher asah bayom hazeh, tziva Adonai la'asot l'chafer aleichem. And this that was done, Hashem had commanded to do so, to make atonement for you. Upetachol mo'ed tishvu yomam balayla shivat yamim, ushmartem et mishmeret Adonai v'lo tamutu, kichen tzuveti. And at the entrance of the Olmo Aid, you shall stay day and night for seven days, thereby keeping the charge of Hashem. And this way you will not die, for so I am commanded. And Aaron and his sons did all the things which Hashem commanded by the hands of Moshe. This may all seem very technical and boring, and yet I imagine Elisheva, the wife of Aaron, the mother of Nadav, Avihu, Elazar, and Itamar, standing throughout these seven days, watching her children, watching her husband, as they become Kohanim in front of all of Am Yisrael. And the ceremony is not just about the Korbanot, but rather an entire ceremony of anointment understood as the final stage of the Mishkan's construction. So uh, the Korbanot and the sprinkling of the blood are really a type of anointment as well. From this perspective, the ceremony really should be included in Sefer Shemot at the conclusion of the set of laws to build the Mishkan. On the other hand, the ceremony is also the first time that the Karbanot are actually offered, and therefore it does serve as the first function of the Mishkan because it's finally being used for the first time. That's why the details of the ceremony are also recorded in Sefer Vayikra, together with the other laws, of how to use the Mishkan. A quick review of the primary elements of the ceremony of how to use the Mishkan for the first time. Well, firstly, Moshe must anoint the Mishkan, its vessels, the Kohanim, and the Big Day Kuna using the Shem HaMishcha. That's what we read about in chapter A, verses 5 through 13, followed by bringing a chatat, one par, a bull, the blood is sprinkled on the upper section of the Mizbech. For the Ola, one ayel, the ram, the blood is sprinkled on the bottom of the Mizbech. And then the Miluim offering is brought, like a Shulamim, one ayel, one ram, and the blood is sprinkled on the Kohanim. We noted the parallel ceremony of consecrating the Mizbech together with consecrating the Kohanim, showing that these are really two parallel pseudo-vessels of the Mishkan. Now we're going to sharpen some of the previously mentioned points in order to better appreciate the times that Hashem commanded Moshe with regard to Shivati Mehamiluim and why the story is basically divided across Sefer Shmot and Vayikra. If you remember, the end of Sefer Shmot, Perak Mem, is when Hashem told Moshe, Biyom HaChodesh HaRishon Be'achad LaChodesh Takim Et Mishkan Ol Moed. And when Hashem told Moshe to assemble the Mishkan, there were three components to this commandment. The first was for Moshe to assemble the various vessels, bring them to their proper places, and already begin to activate them with regard to their function. He has to place the shulchan together with the lechem. He has to place the menorah and then actually light the candles of the menorah. And this included, down to the last detail, 
placing the courtyard together with the curtains of the courtyard. The second component required of Moshe to anoint everything with Shem and Hamishcha. V'lakachta Shem and Hamishcha u'mashachta tamishkan v'tkola sherbo v'kidashtoto v'tkol kelav v'haya kodesh. The third and final component of the commandments of Hashem to Moshe included a series of instructions that would transform Aaron and his children as kohanim to Hashem. V'kravta ta'aron v'banav al-petach al-mo'ed v'rachatsta otam b'mayim and the parshia concludes, We noted in our very first shiur, our introduction to Sefer Vayikra, that immediately following these commandments, there are eight small parshiot that describe how Moshe fulfilled everything that Hashem had commanded of him. The first seven parshiot all conclude with the motif, Kasher Tziva Hashem et Moshe, whereas the eighth one concludes, Vayechal Moshe et HaMalacha. And as we carefully noted, Moshe, in fact, does complete everything that Hashem had commanded of him, but there's no mention of Moshe's anointing of the Mishkan or its vessels, and no mention of Moshe sanctifying the Kohanim. And yet the Torah told us that Moshe completed everything, for in fact he did. But we only hear in our parsha in Vayikra Parikhet, of Moshe's anointment of the vessels and the Mishkan, and his filling the hands of the Kohanim. And this was not only a fulfillment of everything that Moshe was commanded to do at the end of Sefer Shemot in Perak Mem, but in fact commanded by Moshe already in Shemot Perak Chavtet in Parshat Itzaveh. However, if one looks carefully and compares the instructions that Moshe is given in chapter 29 of Sefer Shemot, we find that Psukim Yud and Yud Aleph in Bayikra Perakhet mention one commandment that is not recorded in Shemot Perakhavtet, namely, Vayikach Moshe et Shemen HaMishcha, Vayimshochat HaMishkan bet kol asherbo vayikadesh otam, Vayazmimenu ala mezbeach sheva pamim, Vayimshochat HaMizbeach bet kolkela bet hakiyor bet kano lekotsham. These psukim are in fact a fulfillment of what Moshe was commanded at the end of Sefer Shemot, to anoint the Mishkan and to anoint the Kohanim. So our parsha is a fulfillment not only of what Moshe was initially commanded in Parsha Tzitzaveh regarding the consecration of the Kohanim, but here in Vayikra Perakhet we also see the fulfillment of what he was commanded by Hashem at the end of Sefer Shemot with regard to activating the entire Mishkan. So now our initial question is even stronger. Why didn't we hear about Moshe's fulfillment of both commandments of Sefer Shemot in Sefer Shemot? Why did we have to wait till Sefer Vayikra Perakhet in order to hear how Moshe completed the instructions of Hashem? The Ramban in Perak Mem Pasuk Yudchet of Sefer Shemot addresses the division of these descriptions. In other words, when Hashem commanded Moshe the three-part instruction as to how to consecrate the Mishkan, Moshe understood that he wasn't supposed to fulfill everything, all three parts, in one continuum, Rather, he understood that he was only meant to fulfill the first section of consecrating the kelim, the vessels, and then to wait for a further commandment in order to fulfill the other two components. 
This tzav, this commandment, in fact came in Parshat Tzav, Parakhet. On the same day, Moshe was told to proceed with the sanctification of the Kohanim over the next seven ensuing days. If we look closely, however, Moshe is only commanded with regard to the Kohanim. How did he know that he should also wait before sanctifying the vessels with the Shem and Hamishcha? The Ramban addresses this in his Perush on our Parsha, Vayikra Parakhet, Vayikach Moshe Shem and Hamishcha, Vayimshoch et Hamishkan. And later in Pasuk Yudbet, Vayitzok Bishem and Hamishcha, Al Rosh Aaron. Moshe extrapolated that if Aharon has to be anointed through the Shemin Hamishcha, then he is also meant to wait to anoint the Oel Moed, for in fact the two are inextricably connected. He has to wait until the Makriv, the one who comes to sacrifice, can be ready in order to sacrifice in the Mikdash. But we're still back where we started from. Why can we just hear the fulfillment at the end of Sefer Shemot? Why did we have to hear the continuation of the chronological sequence of events until Vayikra Perikhet? In order to understand this properly, we have to return to Sefer Shemot, Parshat Truma, the initial commandment to build the Mishkan, in order to have a place through which HaKadosh Baruch Hu can meet Am Yisrael. This will take place, as the Ramban explained, through creating a microcosm of Parsinai, through four specific kilim, the Aron and Kaporet, the Shulchan, the Menorah, and at the end of Parshat the Mizbeach HaKtoret. But these are not meant to be dormant vessels, but rather vessels that are going to be activated for Avodah. That's why Moshe has to place the Shulchan where it belongs and then place the Lechem HaPanim, has to place the Menorah and then light the Menorah, has to place the Mizbeach HaKtoret and then offer incense. But Moshe is not actually performing Avodot. Rather, he is completing the function of the kelim that Hashem had told him to place in the Mishkan. Ibn Ezra clarifies this point in his Pirush Haruch and Shmot Perak Mem, where he explains initially, Presumably, explains Ibn Ezra, if Moshe placed the Lechem HaPanim on the Shulchan, then it must have been on Erev Shabbat because this is how the Kohanim are going to continue to place the Lechem HaPanim. But then he continues, Perhaps Moshe arranged the Lechem in his own way, unlike the way that the Kohen is going to continue to bring the Lechem HaPanim to the Shulchan because that will only begin Achar Shehukam HaMishkan. Similarly, we have no proof that Moshe lit the candles of the menorah at its designated time in the evening, nor that he offered the ketoret at its designated time, for he had not yet anointed the vessels for their avudak fu'ah, for their permanent usage. Rather, Moshe was commanded to fulfill parshat truma, to initially activate the kelim so that they can be used perpetually thereafter, almost as if placing batteries in the kelim of the Mishkan, and then waiting for Hashem to tell him when he should turn on the switch. The Mishkan that Moshe is told to set up is a Mishkan without Kohanim, rather fulfilling Parshat Shuma, with the goal of V'no'adzi l'chasham v'dibarti itcha mi'al ha-kaport m'bein shnei ha-kruvim asher al-aron ha-idut et kol asher tava'otcha el b'nei Yisrael. In order for Hashem to come and engage with Am Yisrael, 
We basically need to attract Hashem to the Mishkan. This is accomplished through setting up a home for Hashem, through a set table, through a light that's lit, through a su'uda that's going to be placed on the Mizbech. But the next stage, once Hashem is in the Mishkan, the challenge is to keep Hashem there. And that's why Parshat Tzavik continues with the Ner Tamid, the Karban Tamid, and the anointment in between of the Kohanim who are meant to carry around the names of B'nai Yisrael, whether it be through the ephod on the shoulders, Tamid, or through the Choshen on the lave, on the heart of Aharon, Tamid Lifnei Hashem. And this is alluded to in the last few psukim of Parshat Tzaveh, Step number one is to ensure that Hashem can come to the Mishkan to meet B'nai Yisrael. But secondly, And this is going to be the second function, to make sure that there is a maintenance crew through which Hashem will continue to remain in the Mishkan, primarily through the Kohanim. That is why the fulfillment of Moshe consecrating the Mishkan takes place in two different steps. Stage number one, setting up the Kelim to ensure that Hashem will come to the Mishkan as we find fulfilled at the end of Sefer Shemot. Immediately after, Just as we found by Ma'amad Har Sinai, there is a revelation of the Shekhinah. But that's only the first stage. The second stage is to ensure that the Shekhinah stays, and this must be done through the Kohanim. But Moshe understands that the only way to have continued revelation of Hashem is going to be through Vayikra, is going to be through the Mishkan. And that's why, with the same words with which Hashem called to Moshe, Vayikra al Moshe Bayom Hashvi'i Mitocha Anan, to go up to Har Sinai, are the same words that are used at the beginning of our Sefer, Vayikra Moshe, Vayitaber Hashem Elav Moed. Moshe understands that through the initial revelation of Hashem to Moshe at Har Sinai to teach him about the laws of the Mishkan, that is how Hashem will have continued revelation and relationship with Bnei Yisrael. But for this, we need Kohanim, Kohanim who are going to serve a double purpose, the purpose of Shmot Perak Chavchet, dressing them in their respective garments in order to ensure that the Shekhinah will remain there, but also Perak Chavtet, wherein they become consecrated through bringing karbanot for seven days in order to show that this revelation is going to continue long-term through active participation of bringing karbanot expressed through their own bringing of sacrifices that ultimately will continue in Sefer Vayikra with Am Yisrael bringing their sacrifices. That is why Moshe waits in order to fulfill Parshat Tzitzavir, Moshe waits for a separate commandment of Hashem to tell him when to turn on the switch of the Mishkan, when to activate not only the Kohanim, but when to transform the Mishkan from a Mishkan of revelation to a Mishkan of dedication involving the act of worship of the Kohanim and of Am Yisrael to ensure a continuous relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. On Sunday, we will continue with what happens at the conclusion of these seven days of Miluim, the first topic of Parashat Shmini, the special karbanot that are offered on the eighth day. This is what I meant by the timely nature of the parasha, as we are going to discuss a famous machloket amongst the medieval parashanim with regard to the date of this eighth day. And most of the parashanei hapshat explain that it is on Chet Nisan, which comes out to this Shabbat. So as we approach the Shabbat, I wish you a Shabbat Shalom, but also anticipation of Yom Hashmini, understanding the significance of the revelation of Hashem that takes place at the conclusion of Shabbat Yimei Hamiluim.